Hey everyone, welcome to Search and Destroy, our weekly ESPN Esports Call of Duty League program. Thank you for joining us, whether you're watching us on Twitch, the ESPN app, or on Twitter, or on our ESPN Esports YouTube. We appreciate it. Or if you're listening to us in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you. Uh, Emily and I have a lot to break down this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, the regular season of the Call of Duty League is over. Uh, we have some power rankings to get to. We put together our list of power rankings with a little bit different criteria. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Emily, first things first, uh, we have a roster change yes. in the Minnesota Rocker Camp. And the news is that uh, GodRx, uh, who was definitely one of Minnesota's better performing players on LAN, uh, has been subbed out for the playoffs. In comes Exceed, uh, who coach Saint uh, and the assistant coach as well in a video on the Rockers' official Twitter account, basically said that he injects uh, some youth, some excitement, and also some speed to the team. My first question to you about this news, though, Emily, is, is it too little too late? Um, I mean, so in... On, on the one hand, this is like the perfect time to make a change because this is your last push to champs to see how, you know, how much money you can earn at the end of the year uh, for bragging rights. Like, obviously, I don't think anyone wants to do poorly ever. Um, whenever I talk to COD pros, like the money is actually always secondary. And I think a lot of that is just because a lot of these guys came up at a time when, you know, you were getting paid like 25 maybe like $500 is amazing. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, it's been a long, uh, it's been a long online season for the rocker, right? Like they have not looked good since the swap. Um, they've talked about this at length. I know uh, Saint talked to you about this on coach's corner about their struggles um, to have everyone in the same area and also internet struggles, like mindset struggles and adjusting to being online. Um, and they haven't looked the same, despite the fact that I actually think like raw talent wise, GodRx is one of the best players on this roster, right? Like as an individual. So right before champs is a huge risk, but it's also kind of the, the old, like the best time to do it in a way, because I mean, it's at the end of the split or at the end of the season, nothing else has been working. Um, and despite the fact that I would, I would have, if I'm a coaching member of the coaching staff, probably just stuck with the same exact roster, especially because, uh, GodRx is just so like stinking individually talented, regardless of how, uh, his actual like KD numbers have, have plummeted since online. But, uh, in a way, I think it's kind of perfect timing, whether it's too little, too late, I feel like we've seen a lot, like just pa this past weekend, we saw it with Optic. We've seen it previously with Toronto and, and Kleenex. We saw it with Awakening joining the Mutineers. Like we've seen a lot of teams be really revitalized by bringing someone new onto their lineup to kind of just inject something else, like something different. So if it works, they're going to look really, really good alongside some of the other roster changes that we've seen this year, honestly. Um, as to whether it works... We'll find out at Champs. Who knows? We have seen examples this season of roster changes that have been very successful and mm -hmm. roster changes that have not been so <laughs> successful. So who knows where this will land. I will say this, though. Uh, I, I, it was refreshing to hear the honesty 
Mm -hmm. uh, from Saint uh, and the assistant coach. I really apologize. His name escapes me at the moment. Um, but his, but, name, uh, his first name is Jake, but I think his it's like yeah, Reppin, his gamer JP. tag. Yeah, uh, Reppin J. Yes, Reppin, uh, Reppin, and uh, and Saint were very honest in that video. And also, Saint went so far as to answer questions on Reddit. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that he mentioned was, "Listen, Jerome is still going to get paid." Uh, something from champs you know he is still pivotal to the success of this team particularly on LAN if not for the early push from this team in the regular season before the league went online we would not be in a position to even be able to compete even though every team makes the playoffs they're still in a favorable position in mm -hmm. part because of God RX's efforts early on in the season that saw many points accumulated for this team. So they even went so far as to say if the team flames out in the first round of the playoffs and goes 0-2, God RX would get all of the money that he would have received had he played. So Exceed mm -hmm. would not would basically forfeit his playoff salary. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of a, a percentage structure or however it's going to work. He's basically going to get paid, which is good to hear. Yeah, I think... So, like, I think um, regardless of whether you agree or disagree with the Rockers' decision, I think their transparency has been awesome, honestly. Like, it's been really, really great to see. Putting yourself out there on Reddit after what is looking to be, like, a pretty unpopular roster change right now is basically, like, you're putting yourself out there. It's not a position I would want to be in. I'm sure it's not a position they want to be in, but the fact that they actually did it is actually really impressive to me. <clears throat> and um excuse me um i also think that it is really important to make it clear that got rx is going to get paid yes. right because like we're talking about someone who before we went online was an mv he was looking like an mvp candidate mm -hmm. like he was insane the last land that they played at was when they made finals against the empire in la and they looked really good. He looked great. And it was, he was, he was shaping up. Like people were like, oh man, he's going to be one of this league's MVPs on the year. And obviously that has not happened since going online. But I think it's important that they, A, like really credited him for that. Um, and B, are going to make sure that he's going to get paid for it. Absolutely. So Easy Mac, uh, who, who you have seen on this program previously and also is the uh, analyst for the Atlanta phase, uh, he always makes his statistics public. He actually tweeted about God RX's KDA on all three modes on land versus online. And I'm not saying this as a dig to God RX and flaming him in any way, shape, or form. I'm just presenting the statistics for you mm -hmm. as an indication of why one of the reasons might have been for the rocker to make this change. So on hard point, on land, he was 1.27. Online, he was 1.08. SND, it was 1.45 on SND in, on LAN. Incredible. Went down to 1.11 on LINE. And DOM, 1.25. He actually went sub-1 online to 0.92. So, yes, there were many people who <clears throat> regressed from LAN to online. He's definitely not the only one and may not even be the example of the worst case. But this definitely factored in. That and speed, I think, that Saint 
really hammered that point home. And you mentioned something interesting in a previous episode. This was a couple months ago. Whenever we bring up the rocker, we always talk about how Saint is a good game planner. Saint is somebody who always is able to read the game very well. But he also had the feeling that his team was always complete no matter what. Right. Like, and he even mm-hmm. said it in the video. He wanted to make this team of five work as best as possible. He wanted them to stay mm-hmm. together through thick and thin. But after the last weekend, and honestly, in the last several weeks of uh, tournaments of results that they've played in, they haven't collected very many points at all. So they've mm-hmm. had very disappointing results time and time again. So it was almost as if it was like the point of no return, a last resort ditch effort. Uh, and that's why we're seeing the change. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I definitely think they really wanted it to work. Uh, but yeah, over their past events, like they have scored, they have not scored points since, oof, one, two, three, four, five, six events ago. Okay. I mean... And it was 10. Yeah. And that tells you how well they were doing up front, right? Because the the fifth uh, off- online uh, offline event was the Los Angeles homestand. And that was the last offline event that we had. And that's where they scored 30 points. Um, and then we have, you know, 10, 10, and then zero for the rest of the season. So it only just continued to decline, which is really frustrating. Like I said, one of the, one of the most frustrating things going into this weekend is that like at the beginning of the year, if you see phase rocker as like your first group match, right. You're going to be like, Oh man, this is going to be great. Like it's just going to be gunfight after gunfight. And early on in the season, it looked like the rocker were one of the only teams that could keep up with phase and gunfights and God RX was a huge part of that. And we haven't seen any of that since they went online, like none of it. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens as this change is made. Uh, someone in chat, the real PD Gaming, who's been in our chat uh, for many shows, uh, mentioned they've also said the Rocker have said since scrimming yesterday they are twenty-two and six in HP and Dom scrims mm. since the switch. So if that's the case, I mean, hey, mission accomplished at least. Yeah. And, and the best part is they have several weeks, like you said. Now's the time, right? They have several weeks before playoffs begin mm-hmm. to gel as a team. So at least it didn't happen a week before playoffs, right? They took the extra couple weeks. They made the change as quickly as possible. So, And that change, of course, happened after the Toronto home stories, which we will now dive into right now. Uh, Toronto win. How about that? A new You winner. get your bragging. You, you can, like, take a moment, right? Like, this is your moment. Like, Listen. take a moment to just be like, you know what? My team, you, you came on with no bias with the Ultra jersey last week. None. None. Thanks for noticing, they did by it. the way. Thank you for they noticing the lack of bias. First things first. <laughs> Uh, listen, listen, anytime I have an opportunity to promote and represent the city of Toronto, I will gladly take it. Uh, but we do have to say that Toronto did win their own home series. They are now the sixth team to win a home series Mm -hmm. in the uh, CDL. They are the last team, of course, as well. Uh, but whether or not that will translate to playoffs, that's another conversation that we'll have later. Let's dive into this past weekend, but let's start with an interview that you were able to do with Methods. This happened very recently after the Toronto Ultra had their victory. Uh, they were the underdog team going into their own home series, but they had a lot of, of uh ground to gain and points to amass to get a favorable standing so they had a lot of motivation going into this weekend here's what method had to say in part of this interview here's the clip 
just congratulations, man. How does it finally feel to get one on the board? Thank you. It's uh, it's relieving. It was very stressful. Obviously, there's only 12 teams in the league, only 60 players. You know, it's always in the back of your mind, like someone's coming for your spot. You want to win. You want to play the best you can. And falling short, uh, short for the majority of the year was pretty stressful, pretty frustrating. Um, and, I, and I think that frustration was sort of why we won. Just we were so fed up with coming up short and constantly just, uh, you know, getting to semifinals and losing or, or, or not even getting there. So worked I mean, hard good... and... I'm, yeah, it's a good mode right here. Yeah. <laughs> um, take me through that round eleven, because obviously, uh -huh. like you are the star of that, but like I had no idea what way it was going to go, and yeah. that was pretty insane. Yeah, so Ben thought he was Jason Bourne. He hit up middle of the map <laughs> five five versus Phase Clan. Uh, died immediately. Watching that back, we were dying laughing. Selium uh, <laughs> wide peaked me. Uh, that was a pretty poor play on his end. He pretty much just gave me a free pick to open up the map. We uh, ended up going to the A site, executing. Sim started shooting at my teammate. I killed him. Round goes on. It ends up in me in a 1v2. And I sort of just immediately challenged the last guy. I didn't want to give him a chance to think or, or know what was going on. And, um, you know, that, that was special for me, um, especially because I've had a few stinkers when it comes to 1v1s in my past. You know, some pretty notorious chokes. And, and for that to be me and and prove that all right i'm not this choke artist was was really was, was really big for me and twitter got super gassed up like i, I was getting mm -hmm. flooded with tweets from people who aren't even in the community anymore it was just it was so special you know i when i first came to toronto i said i want to i want to bring championships here and, and i'm glad we can start off with this one so going into champs i'm um hopefully we'll peak there like hopefully this wasn't our peak hopefully our peaks at the big one So the full interview will be available on our ESPN Esports YouTube channel, and Emily will have a bunch more interviews coming up. Really excited uh, to show you what we have planned going into the playoffs, uh, certainly on this show as well. We're going to be here weekly until the end of the playoffs. Very exciting stuff. But let's break down the Toronto Home Series. Listen, as much as I want to gloat, okay, as much as I, it, it, it pains me to have to say this, as much as I want to gloat and be there for Toronto, we have to mention that this was a topsy-turvy kind of home series because the top four teams didn't really have much motivation. Even though three of them were in this home series, Emily, they didn't have much motivation because they were locked into the top four anyway. It was really just a matter of organization of which who will be one, two, three, and four. But they were already in that tier and they would already get the buy. You know what I mean? They already had the benefits of the buy. Toronto and Optic Gaming LA had the most to gain and to lose going into this tournament. So you would assume that those two teams would have great showings. And to be fair, Optic Gaming, they had a good showing. They didn't have the result they wanted, but they were also strong. So from that point Jaza of view... Jaza is a beast, can I, I know. just say. Like, yes. he is nuts. Like, please keep, like, like, I'm glad he got out of Alaska and it's down here. Like... Please keep him around for next year because I want to see him continue to be given a shot. So my the, the, the reason I bring this up is because, yes, you can look at the results and you'll say, wow, Toronto had an impressive run. They beat OGLA, they beat Dallas, and they beat the FaZe. I mean, what a heck of a tournament that is. But you have to keep it in mind. You have to put it into the context of, yes, but none of those, uh, except for OGLA, the top three teams did not have their backs against the wall in the way that Toronto did going into this. 
I agree. So like I, we've talked about this uh, off show, right? Where like uh, how much does it matter that you have like a lot to play for in the, in the final series. Right. And I think the only point where I disagreed with you on was with the face. Um, because I actually think the phase specifically have recently received a lot of criticism, despite the fact that they've like been consistently like what happens when you're consistently so good is that when you don't win every final or you like don't make it to every final, then people are just like, oh, my gosh, like they're declining. They look really rough. Um, you know, like how are phase doing this like miraculous reverse sweep again? Uh, we're sick of seeing this, like they're, you know, they don't look as good, that kind of thing. Um, so the expectations for them, I think were, were set high very early on because they were the best looking team out of the gate and they managed to sustain that. Right. So even though we've talked about other teams catching up to phase and I think they did, um, they've been consistently good across the entire season. And I think they were really disappointed in this loss. Like, honestly, this is one of the more visceral reactions I've seen FaZe have to a loss after Methods wins that, like, round 11, like, last-minute 2v1, right? Which was a great moment. Like, I had no idea which way that map was going to go. And then it really looked like FaZe were going to clutch it out and diffuse. And then Methods just comes up huge, right? So yeah. I, they, were, they looked crushed. Like, they looked really annoyed. I know... Um, I think it was Simp that went on Twitter afterwards and was like, oh, that was actually like insanely rough. Like they really wanted it. Like they really, really, really wanted to prove that they haven't declined, that they're back. It's not going to be these super close reverse sweeps. Um, it's not going to be because of, you know, like I know some people have cast out on them because there have been some weird technical issues in their games, which is unfortunately affected competitive integrity across the league. And we've already talked about that. So I won't dwell on it. Um, but like, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like, I think, I think the phase are kind of my exception to that because while I don't doubt that a Toronto, like methods even said it, right? Like they wanted to win this really badly. They knew that they could get themselves out of that bottom tier going into champs and they did it. Um, and I, I think the phase are kind of my exception to that because a, they seemed like just absolutely crushed after the, like such a close uh, finals. And then additionally, I feel like they, because expectations have been set so high for them, I feel like they still felt like they had a lot to prove from this. Like people were just like, Oh yeah, you're coasting. You got gifted those points from league play in the first week, which we can talk about how unfair the, the point value system isn't there because of how long it took Dallas empire to catch up despite performing really well uh, after that, you know, first week. But like, I, I feel like Atlanta was trying to shake off a stigma that they declined and they really wanted it. And they didn't win in like a very close, like very exciting final. Uh, so my exception to that kind of like, we, we have, we don't have maybe as much drive would actually be Atlanta. Cause I think they really, really, really wanted it. The funny thing, and I'm going to bring this up when we talk about power rankings as well. Every single tournament home series that Atlanta participated in, their minimum placement was a third, fourth place finish. Yep. It's actually insane. Like, it's funny how we're talking about regression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like as if we just expected them to win every tournament, yeah. period. Yeah, that, that is that is the expectation that they set for themselves. 
and that they sat for us by winning everything early on. Unbelievable. So, you know, I mean, it's so, like, it's a good position to be in. And it's also like you, like at a certain point, you only have down, right? To go. So Exactly. So looking back on some of the takeaways then from the Toronto home series, uh, Optic made it pretty far in the tournament. Toronto wins the tournament. Uh, we don't see too much uh, from the Huntsman in this tournament. Maybe a little bit of a disappointing outing there. I guess more generally... I think it's massively disappointing for the Huntsman, actually. But, so, but, but then I go back to my point about... See, I guess I wonder how... Like, they'll never give us the answer, but how much did they care? I, that's what I go back to. I go. I, I know they're competitive. I know I they don't always, like to I lose. I always assume that teams care. But but in comparison to other weekends when points mattered more, like I will like like there's no way that I would believe that the level of competition we saw in Toronto will equal what we see in the playoffs or even the first couple of weeks of the season because there's there feels like there's more to play for for every team as opposed to only a certain number of teams. Do you know what I mean? Like like if if. It would be this. This point would be a little bit have a little bit more weight if there were teams that were going to miss the playoffs because every team made the playoffs. Maybe the point is a little muted. But imagine if, say, uh, nine to twelve did not make the playoffs, like the original format before they went online, right? And then all of a sudden we're in this situation where okay, there's five teams that have made the playoffs already, and then three teams that have not made the playoffs. Those three teams, of course, they're going to play their hearts out because it's life or death. It is a playoff situation for them. Right. And Toronto and Optic were really the only teams that had the most to win and lose in this tournament. So I guess for Huntsman, I'm just like, yeah, but look at the people on this team. Of course, they're going to find motivation when they're in their playoffs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I still think like Chicago could have like I, I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to double check that awesome like slider graphic that uh, someone posted to Cog Competitive last week. The Huntsman still could have technically finished first. And I think that is a much better, like, I, I still think that is something to play for. Um, I, I know, like, you and I are just going to have to agree to disagree on this, Fair. I think, because I want to believe the best. Like, I always want to believe that everyone's always trying their best, right? So I will know, admit that despite if you the fact ask that player, I watch it's... Chinese League of Legends where that yeah. does not always happen. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if you ask any player, of course, they're going to agree with what you're saying, right? Because I don't think any player is going to admit, oh, yeah, we didn't care about this weekend. Like, if you ask the Huntsman, honestly, I was listening to the uh, podcast with Hex and Andy Miller that they mm -hmm. do the NRG podcast. Yeah. They said the biggest complaint for them was the um, was the start, uh, the, the, the pause uh, glitch. That was like the thing mm -hmm. that tilted them the most. And they were like, no, no, we're fine for playoffs. It was really the pause glitch that bothered us the most go uh, coming out of this weekend. I mean, I would also be tilted if I were them. Like, I, I know, like, we definitely don't want to focus a ton on, um, you know, we, we really don't want to focus a ton on, like, more bugs. Uh, but that, that is just a massive tilter, right? Like the, it's like, and, and when we talk about that, uh, you know, when we talk about that, uh, optic series, it has to be like, 
I hate, I hate that we have this. Like, I hate that that's a thing. Like, I hate that whenever I, I, I talk about something like this, it's just like, I have to qualify it, you know, like that, that's just super, super frustrating that it even happens. But like, if I were them, I would also be tilted off space of the earth at that. Like, wouldn't you? So, of course, of course, I'd be tilted. It was, a, it was things. ultra, not With optic, said, by the sorry, way. Yeah. I was thinking of optic previously from last week. <laughs> what, other problems, yes, exactly. Yeah, other, bag of other issues. I was actually just reviewing like every sentence I wrote for this, but like, Oh, I hate I hate that this happens because it's like it makes the game really hard to talk about from an analytical standpoint, right? If you have to keep pointing to these series and being like, maybe the Huntsmen take that, maybe the Ultra get bumped down and they have to, you know, they have to fight their way out of the, the loser's bracket instead. Um, like not to take away anything from the Ultra because I think they played the best I've seen them all year this past like thing, but it's something that yeah, we have to keep bringing up. And I do think it definitely affected the Huntsman because that is someone just lags out and you can't pause. Like, why? Why? Like, it's how a level is that, of even, that, you how don't is that need. even appropriate for a competitive game? God, ugh, I didn't want to talk about this. It just makes me so mad. I feel like every, every episode of this is Emily gets mad about something else in the game. So I'll shut up now. It's really frustrating. No, please don't. <laughs> Do not shut up ever. Please. Well, we're going to touch on the mini map thing later. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. I, 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 I jumped to it too soon. But let's talk about a team that was not part of the Toronto Home Series and are probably the most upset of any team. And that is the Paris Legion. And mm -hmm. a part of me is happy that we're talking about the Paris Legion because we never talk about the Paris Legion, let's be honest. They made the finals once. If you were to go back and do a stat on how often we talk about teams, they would 100% be 12th on the list. Yes. Uh, not because we hate them. Certainly not the case. But just because there are so many other storylines from other teams that we focus on that Paris rarely gets that spotlight. But now they are in a situation where they were 8th in that four to eight or five to eight category going into the Toronto home series and due to other people's results, they didn't have their fate in their own hands. And now they're 10. Mm -hmm. Now it's even more tough for them. Unlucky. That's, that is tilter. Uh, especially since again, like I think they looked the best they have since land play uh, at their past event. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it really puts them in a tough spot, but they also knew that, you know, they put like one thing we credited Paris for last week was the fact that they put themselves in the in, in one of the better positions to succeed. Right. By like overperforming compared to expectations. And unfortunately, their previous performance did not give them a lot of leeway because their destiny was not in their own hands. And it's not even something like where the Empire can point to the first week of league play and be like, this is being overcounted because Paris actually did really well in the first week of league play. So that actually helped them like even be in a position to try to escape that bottom part of the champs bracket. But unfortunately it didn't work out. So, I mean, it, it sucks when you're in that situation, but I also, you know, I don't think that um, outside of like their most recent performance where they put themselves in the best position to succeed, 
Paris have looked, you know, wildly inconsistent, uh, especially since we moved to online play. So. So we're going to do a big playoff preview at some point before the playoffs begin. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch on the playoffs now that we know some of the now that we know the matchups, I should say. Just let's just get initial reactions on what we have so far. So let's start with the elimination round because those are do or die matchups. We have two of them. We have the Battle of L.A., Optic Gaming taking mm -hmm. on the Gorillas, and we have Paris, who we just spoke about, taking on the lowly Seattle Surge. Uh, what do you what what are your in, initial impressions uh, of both these matchups? So Seattle, I don't like I would not blame Seattle players for just being completely tilted for this entire season. <laughs> like um I still think Octane is like absolutely I mean, everyone knows he's an insane player, but it's worth repeating. Um if they both perform like they did at their past two events. I think Paris takes it, but it's probably a messier series than what I expect from OGLA and the Gorillas, unless the Gorillas have done some like serious boot camping and improvement prior to appearing at this. Because LA looked, uh, LA Optic rather, looked so much better. Like they already looked pretty, like a little bit invigorated when we saw Jaws and Hollow with them previously last weekend. But this past weekend, like, Jaza, like I said, like he's good. Like he's really good. Um, and if they can get like a stronger synergy down with that team, I think they actually, you know, they can make some noise coming out of this bottom bracket. Speaking of, uh, and we'll talk about this uh, in the subliners rocker matchup, which is in winners round one. Speaking of picking up players, Saint also mentioned on Reddit that at one point he was considering signing Awakening before uh. the Mutineers did. And can you imagine, just, just imagine for a second how the fortunes might have changed, right? Like, just think about that scenario. Yeah, that's nuts. Unlucky. That's one but of those also, weird roster what-ifs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we got Subliners and Rocker, and then we got London versus Toronto in the winner's round one. Initial impressions there. See, okay. I that don't is a gigantic question yeah. mark. Like, yeah. I, I still think Subliners take Minnesota just because, uh, despite the fact that their past performance, we saw them as disappointing compared to their standards, and especially coming off of a home series win. Um, I, I, oof, it's, it's, Despite the fact that uh, I know people have said they're doing well in scrims, it's going to be hard to see Minnesota coming in and just taking this. Who knows, though? We've seen players join a roster and completely transform it. I'm still betting on New York. London, Toronto is like you flip a coin. I, I have no idea who's coming yeah, out of that. Rough. Very like, rough. Whoever's better on the day. I I'll, have to, like... I'll have to think about it before we do our playoff preview. Yeah, so like we're going to do, like I said, we're going to do a larger <laughs> playoff preview. These are just initial impressions looking at these matchups. Uh, but yeah, that one to me is like, That's I even tough. analyze that. Toronto's one of them series. London's always in the mix. London has incredible players. <laughs> Toronto has had struggles, but they finished strong. Like there's a lot to unpack there, which we will get to yeah. at some point uh, in the near future. But now let's take a minute just to look back at the regular season. Uh, of the CDL. Let, let me let me start with this question, Emily. You've been covering esports, not just Call of Duty, obviously, League of Legends, a lot for a very long time. Where mm -hmm. would you say 
in terms of storylines and the amount that has come out of this league in particular this season, where would you rank it in terms of most? I don't even know what the what the word would be. Most interesting or most just the most amount of things to cover in one league in a in a given season. I mean, I will say this. I'm not sure where it would rank like to past things. Like, for example, when I think of the one of the biggest shifts that affected like all of League of Legends, not just um, China and South Korea. I always think of what they call the the Korean exodus of the 2014-15 offseason because I think the the implications and the results from that like radiated outwards for years and years and years and we're still seeing uh, you know effects from that. Um, but in terms of this season, it is a very, like, uh, my obvious complaints literally every single week on the show aside, uh, it is one of the most interesting looks at how esports adjusted or didn't adjust and how players managed to make the best of some really awful situations during the ongoing pandemic. And I think when we look back at this season specifically, it's going to be of a very specific time for a lot of reasons. A, this is the first like franchise year of Call of Duty, something that I personally was hesitant to be super optimistic about because cod is like a very like dedicated player base and very dedicated fan base that i and that's one of the things i honestly like really really love about call of duty generally but the push pull between being a triple a title and being a competitive game has always been apparent and it's never been more apparent in their all a lot of problems that they've had moving to franchising even without the pandemic right but then on top of that, we move to online servers. We we have this global pandemic. And then we also have, um, and I, I know we were going to touch upon storylines for this and something we talk about every week is something we talked about earlier on in the show. We have all of these like younger or like untested talents getting chances on these franchise teams where they may not have received a chance for like a, a big name team pre- previously like the the Optic Gamings, the the Hundred Thieves, that United. Um, by the way, that United scouting has still proven insane. Pretty good. Every, huh? every single United player from last year. Uh, but yeah, like I think, um, I think there there are a ton of storylines from the season, and I don't even know like the full implications of this year, and I don't think we will until like years down the road, honestly. Um, which is what makes it such a weird, interesting, like, time capsule that I think people are going to return to and pick apart. So uh, you you mentioned young talent there. That's definitely mm-hmm. one of the bright spots of the CDL this season, seeing players like Awakening and Mac Meltz uh, lead the charge for players that have really risen to the occasion. And yeah, you can make the whole uh, thought about oh, online, this online, that it doesn't matter. Let's not take away from their accomplishment because at the end of the day, this is still a major competition for a whole ton of money. And they came in in a stressful situation, even if they are in an apartment and not on stage in front of hundreds of thousands or, or thousands of people, it doesn't matter. The pressure is still there and they definitely stepped up in large part. And I would say that, for the most part, 
the new faces that we saw in Call of Duty competitive at the CD at the top level, the CDL level, have been successful. And that's mm -hmm. that's great to see. Yeah, it's and it's something that like again, like whenever I hear franchising, I get really hesitant because sometimes even with I think a little bit more leeway because you're not gonna get kicked out of the league, right? If you if you perform badly. Um, teams aren't always willing to take chances and they aren't always willing to sign players when they're, when they're doing badly. And they're not always willing to may, uh, take a risk on someone who is untested, but we've seen more times than not when these rosters have, have taken chances on, on bringing in younger players that, you know, people had doubts about they've succeeded. And that is actually really awesome to see. And it kind of piggybacks with, what you and I talked about with several players during launch weekend, which is like, I can't believe we're hearing cheers for our team because previously it was always like optic or phase or hundred T um, and maybe United in there. And, and like the fact that they were individually getting uh, fans, the fact that it gives um, people who may not have had like a, a, like as big of a brand or as big of a face uh, forward face, in Call of Duty esports, I've really loved that about franchising. And it's been really refreshing to see, especially when compared to certain other franchise leagues that I know of calling out you, North American League of Legends. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so in terms of other storylines this season of course online of course the game of course the bugs etc you you you've talked about this at length uh you can bake this into your answer if you want this is how i want to ask it and then feel free to take this however you like i wonder let's say in in 10 years when we look back on this season in particular right mm -hmm. are we going to be talking about I mean, obviously, we're going to be talking about the the pandemic and how that affected the mm -hmm. league. But how much are we going to focus on the game itself? And how much are we going to focus on the issues of the game itself when when the pandemic becomes the primary focus of the season in 10 years to come? What do you think? I see what you're doing, Arda. I, see now. <laughs> I think I think it has to be mentioned. Oh, my gosh. Like the lack of developer support, I think is and i know um people are gonna like certain people are gonna beg recency bias because this is the game we have right but the fact that this is the game we had on top of a global pandemic is just nuts like the lack of communication between the game itself between infinity ward and their like i don't even know if it's a we don't care about competitive or like an active disdain for competitive play at this point <laughs> um uh but in in to answer to your actual question i do think it's it's going to depend on um champs and it's going to depend on whether they're able to fix bugs like this one I'm pointing at this sign that says, in Modern Warfare, I can see your mini-map, and I think that's beautiful, which is uh, a kind of a cop out of the, like, speaking different languages meme. Um, <laughs> it is the fact that this exists, the fact that you've had pros apologizing on Twitter for having to bring this up, probably maybe because they've been fined in the past for bringing it up in a different way, but you've, you've had them bring up like the overwhelming lack of developer support for this. 
And like, that's not even like some things are the league's fault, like the referee, like BS, some of the rule, inconsistent rulings, um, the server issues. Like I, I do blame the league somewhat for that, but this stuff is out of their control. And to have a game like Modern Warfare on top of everything that's going on, I think it has to be mentioned when we look at this in a few years. Because it's just ridiculous. And if Champs is affected by this bug and it's not fixed, like they have plenty of time to fix it. You've got to fix that because there's no way that you can guarantee people will not be using it. So either everyone's using it and everyone's seeing each other's positions mm -hmm. on the minimap, uh, and especially in like respawn mode, you could like suicide just to see, to see what's going on. Right. Um, like it, it, that's ridiculous. Like that just makes it completely uncompetitive. And I think the I think regardless, it's going to be looked at as a terrible COD. People are calling it the worst COD in competitive history. Um, if this is not fixed, it is definitely the worst COD game we've ever had in competitive history. I agree with I'll you. I'll stand by that. I agree with you. I agree with everything you said there. What I would like to add is, I do believe it is unfortunate that this is happening in year one of this pivotal moment in Call of Duty competitive. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that it is going to spell the end of Call of Duty competitive, nor will it uh, adversely affect the CDL in years to come. I do believe that there is a rebound that the league will be able to benefit from. And I will go so far as to say that if there was, and I've asked this question to you and others, including Easy Mac on this program several times, and I'll give my opinion on it now. If there was a year to have the worst COD ever competitively, <laughs> it is this year. This is the year. If you told me that all of this was going to happen, if you were a fortune teller, if you predicted the future, and you told me this is exactly how the season is going to unfold, what version of COD would you want? I would immediately tell you without any blink of an eye, the worst version ever. <laughs> because I would want to get it out of the way that where there are so many other challenges to deal with, knowing that next year will be better. And knowing that the possibility exists that we could be back on land at some point next season. I'm not saying that's a guarantee. Of course, we have to be safe about it. But there's more of a possibility next season than there ever was this season. After COD the pandemic bubble. hit. The COD bubble is not happening Let's for go. this champ. No, but champ. next year. Next year, but COD yes, bubble. The COD Let's bubble. Go. The COD bubble. But what I'm saying is, this is the year. Now... That leads us to, do we have anything else to say regarding, uh, so that we can, we can close the chapter on it, I think. Is, I is mean, what I'm fix this. <laughs> so that's the, la the last statement is fix this. People fix it. Fix it. Fix it. <laughs> Infinity Ward, we know you're watching top to bottom, every department, please fix it. Okay. Let's get to our power rankings. So this is what we were going to do. We were actually going to give you uh, power rankings that we both use the same criteria 1 to 12, every idiot. team in CDL. No, actually, we just on honestly didn't <laughs> give any details. So we both went different directions, and actually it's going to make for a more fun segment. So I made CDL rankings with the entire season in mind. So performance mm -hmm. from week one all the way to the Toronto home series this past weekend, 
everything is factored in and the early land days are also heavily weighted. So that was my approach for making my power rankings. What was your approach? My approach was going into champs based on most recent performance. So okay. yeah, we both took this question and then just went completely opposite directions yes. with it. But I like it because we can have a discussion about recent performance compared to entire season. So yes, uh, before we get there, though, I need to read this comment from real PD gaming in Twitch. He's like cod bubble. Every cod member stays in one giant mansion and you can have a TV show like Big Brother. Can you Let's imagine go. that? That would be awesome. <laughs> can you I, imagine I that show? I would be a journalist inside the cod bubble. Not going to lie. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> a giant mansion. Every cod pro there. Oh, no yeah. drama at all. Nothing would happen. No, no, no fights. It, it would be the most boring reality show ever. We all get along. Kumbaya dinner. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. That would be the most hilarious thing esports has ever created, I think. The, the, the greatest great. content it'd, series. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> it would be content with a capital C. Okay. So, how are we going to do this? Are we going to go through our lists entirely? Are we going to go one by one? How should we unfold here? What, what do you think? Should we go one by one? Should we start at 12, go 12 to one? Uh, I think you and I might have the same 12 i'm guessing we have the same 12 let's go uh oh wow we Not don't have the same close. 12 okay, wow, according okay. to our producer wow. jared jared yeah, jared's herping me in my ear here like all right uh my number let's 12 go. is the seattle surge that was so my number 12 uh and and this might be another difference between like going into champs and overall is I put the Los Angeles Gorillas just because their okay. most recent performance was super disappointing. Um, I, I do think the addition of like the roster changes that they made did inject some life into the team. Their S&D was looking great. Um, honestly, like one of the best in the league for, for a, like a really short time period. Um, but after their most recent performance, I it's really hard for me to see them going anywhere at champs and that's why i put them last it was a tough one for me like i i put uh, seattle last because they've only gotten 10 points in the last four home series that they've participated in and la has mm -hmm. gotten 30 but then again you have octane who like the funny thing is is Poor like Sam. Oh do we gosh. know by the way chat can i just say octane is actually tied get this tied for highest kd all season of course he is he's insane like well, anyone who doesn't know that Octane is like absolutely insane player. Yeah, but it's just like it's in, it's like it's like the years that like imagine like Michael Jordan in the 80s where he was on a losing team and not making the playoffs or Mario Lemieux on the Penguins in the 80s or something like LeBron James before he was making NBA finals and missing the playoffs. Right. It's like it's unbelievable that we have somebody with statistics that shoot to the moon and yeah. his team is in such despair. Yeah. It's like incongruent in a way. Yeah. So that's As why I, said, had I highly recommend his video, his his YouTube videos. They're very fun. So the LA Gorillas also, like you were mentioning their SND. I would say that there are many, like Spartan Vivid were a good uh, in, in injection mm -hmm. into this team, a positive step in the right direction. I think they would, would have probably hoped for more from them, especially given the results that other rookies slash new faces on other teams were able to accomplish. I think that's, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. And blast. I mean, I think, uh, I think bringing them on again, like we saw, we did see it after like 
their first performance aside where they just hadn't scrimmed together like outside of a few days. Um, I do think they were, again, a necessary like youthful injection of talent, but at the same time, um, it never came together outside of like a few really strong S and D performances, which is why I just, I just don't see this team being able to go very far at champs. Who's your number 10? Um, my next one on the list is Seattle Surge. So oh, number eleven, yeah, you're yeah, number 11 is yeah. LA, LA last, and then Seattle, uh, second to last, despite Octane. So we we flipped on eleven and twelve. So let's go okay. to number ten. Uh, so my number ten, which is this, is actually where I think we're gonna disagree vehemently. Um, and a lot of it has to do with qualifications and how well I expect them to do at champs because. This is actually where I put Minnesota and it like breaks my heart to do so because mm. of how I, I love this team so much uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, they were so good. I really loved that. I loved the roster that they built. I loved how they worked together. I loved talking to those guys at events. Um, I thought they were going to end up being one of the best teams. Um, and their online performance is just steadily declined. This can change like they're, their performance at champs basically depends on how well they can integrate exceed onto the new roster. Right. So it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be one of those things where I am betting on something like, because I haven't seen it, I can't give it a strong rating. If that makes sense. Like I said, the same thing about optic, right. Where I was like, I'm not sure what to expect from optics. So I have to rate them low for now based on their previous performance. Despite the fact that when draws on hollow came on, they looked a lot better. Um, so going into champs, I have no idea how Minnesota is going to perform, but they've looked really, really disjointed, um, online. And that is why they are so low on this. So for, uh, looking into the entire season, I had Paris at number 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, they see the thing is, is that other than a finals appearance and winning Warzone weekend, like they were very forgettable. And, and, and this the actually Warzone weekend is still hilarious. Cause it was oh, just yeah. camping. The, ca the camp in the house and just wait till the end and you get four kills and you win. Great job. <laughs> Great job. You still got the money. Um, the funny thing is, is that they actually had a very solid first two tournaments or sorry, mm -hmm. inaugural weekend. They got 20 points and then they came in third and fourth in the, uh, the London, the first London home series. So they mm -hmm. were actually yeah, off to a decent start, but, and then after that, they just, sputtered along for the rest of the season until that one finals appearance and they've just given us no reason to believe in them going into playoffs and their regular season in one word in three letters meh yeah i mean so i'll talk about paris now because they're actually my my next team on okay. my list uh sure. they're number nine so yeah okay. so um again like minnesota's recent performance is why they're so low Paris is a team that has been like wildly inconsistent despite some pretty insane individual performances from some of their players at varying times throughout the season. And that's why it's like really difficult for me to bet on this team because like, you know, if Zed is popping off, if Luca is popping off, if Kismet's popping off, like there's still no guarantee that they'll be able to translate that into series wins. Um, like we've seen them translate into like map wins, but not series wins until recently. Right. So it's just really difficult to bet on Paris because they've been wildly inconsistent 
throughout the entire season. So my number nine is now remember mine is uh, the entire season mm -hmm. in consideration and Emily's is power rankings as of today. Uh, number nine for me is optic gaming and that's definitely heavily weighted for the first three quarters of the season mm -hmm. before the uh, Draza and hollow switches. And actually, I thought that things would get much better with the addition of Chino, and that didn't play out as well as I think Optic would have hoped. But still, they did get some inspired performances from Draws, as we saw, especially in the Toronto Home Series, like you mentioned. So I would say they are in a much better position, and anyone would probably agree with that today than they were in the first half of the season when they were really seen as a team that was on a sharp decline despite having a heavy, heavy-duty roster of mm -hmm. past champions and esteemed members of the community, including one Austin Lidigote. Uh <laughs> So I, I just... It, 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 it's painful to put this roster at this position, but especially based on that first half of the season, I don't see them anywhere but at number nine. So this is going to work out well because I put them eighth. Um, oh, awesome. So yeah, okay. we're just kind of like piggybacking on each other outside of my weird, wonky, my weird wonky Minnesota insert uh, towards the bottom. Um, I, I think optic of the teams that are in that, um, in that like lower, like the lowest, uh, like basically, like I don't want to call it a play-in bracket, but that's basically what it is, right? The losers round one. I think Optic have the biggest upside of all four of those teams uh, based on their most recent performance. Um, I think Jaza and Hollow have worked out really well for the team. Like I said, I think Jaza is actually insane. Um I'm so glad that we got to see them see him before the end of the year. Um, so I hope this isn't like, regardless of how optic do, I hope this isn't the last time we see him on a, a COD roster uh, in this league. Um, and I, at, like I, I put optic here just because of the teams that are in that bottom bracket. I think they've looked the best recently. Um, and I think they have the, the most potential to make noise coming out of that losers round one. So my number seven and eight go a little hand to hand in hand. I had a lot of trouble in those yes. two spots in particular. Oh, you too. This is the tier. Like I basically bracketed it and I was like, there's three teams here. And I was like, I told our producer, Jared, I was like, it's honestly like negligible, but just like put them in this order or whatever, because okay. I, I see three teams. They're all even for me. So, so this, you go first. Okay, this was my philosophy. I actually took this the teams that won a home series this season, I weighted that heavily. So I okay. ensured that any team that won a home series got a top six placement. That was my one my one criteria for an entire season. I was like, I think that merits them being in the top tier of teams that won. So that's okay. why a team like uh, New York and Toronto mm -hmm. are in the top six in my list. Now, that would leave... Minnesota and London. So here was my thought process as to why I ordered them the way that I did. If there is one team that you would describe pretty much exactly the same on LAN and online in terms of their threat in the league, it would be the London Royal Ravens. They were in the mix on LAN. They're in the mix online. They, they get results. They don't really threaten the finals often. 
but they do sometimes, and they're always a scrappy team. They have mm -hmm. been on land. They have been online. With that said, the Rocker had this enormous swing. They were one of the best teams on land. They were one of the worst teams online. But for me, their results were still stronger, and they did have some success online. And that's why I put the Rocker at 7 and the Royal Ravens at 8. Okay. Um, I'll go through. I don't know how Jared wants to uh, present this on, on graphics, but uh, yeah, I'll go through my bulk of teams, right? So this is my... Uh, this is the, the mid-tier the mid you're yeah, going to talk the about? Mid, okay. the mid-tier of teams that I really see is like even for different reasons. I agree with what you said about Royal Ravens. They're like just, and I, I mean, I even said this to Scraps and Westgam and I interviewed them. They're just there, right? Like they're just below breaking into actually, you know, getting to a final, winning a final. They're just below that. And they, they have not been able to break through that, that ceiling. Um, there's the ultra who broke through that ceiling once, but again, looked, first of all, they had a ton of roster changes, right? So this, this roster with Kleenex looks like the, as he's the most recent like addition or swap, um, looks really strong. I, I really liked the way they looked this past weekend. Um, and then in here, I also put the subliners, another team that have been, in my opinion, like somewhat consistent, uh, inconsistent online, had a really rough start to the season. Um, once Mac joined, looked significantly more cohesive and improved. Um, I really like this team. Again, they're the team that everyone says is like the worst to play against in scrims because they're just that good. Um, we finally saw them break through that on stage on our virtual stage at their own home series but then they had a disappointing showing following that um so i see these teams with like varying highs and lows outside of the royal ravens to to which you pointed out they've been like really pretty incon pretty consistent in terms of like their their actual play and performance and general placement um I, I would say the the subliners, the Royal Ravens, and Ultra are kind of like all in the same tier for me in that like mid tier where I'm like, okay, if one of these manages to make a ton of noise and champs and makes it really far, it won't be a huge shock, right? Like it'll be an upset, but it won't be like, holy crap, the yeah. you know Los Angeles Gorillas made it to finals. Like that would be and that would actually be insane, but. If one of these teams makes it to finals, I'll be like, oh, okay. It's possible. Not expected, but like they're good, they're good teams. Um, and they obviously have the talent to be able to do so. So that's why I have them super, super close. We have very similar lists. I think the rocker was the biggest discrepancy. Yeah. And that's totally fair because they're the, nowhere that's, near that's where they where are now the, where they were. Yeah, the that's where the whole season versus going into champs difference really comes in, I think. So this is where I get into the, okay, the teams that have won a home series weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I'm a Toronto homer, but obviously they, of all the teams that have won a home series, they're the weakest one. So that's why mm -hmm. they're at six. And that's, uh, that's strictly fair. because, yeah, it's completely fair. Yeah, they ended the season strong. They did what they had to do. Good for them. But at the end of the day, if you look at the entire season as a whole, they went from not being contenders at all and battling for the basement to winning a home series. So their improvement was great, 
But even in saying that, their improvements uh, came at a cost in the sense because like they were str- they were working on that 10-man roster and in talking with some members of the team, they thought that that might be a positive for them to be able to scrim internally, try new things with an A team and a B team or a, a 1A and a 1B team, you know, switching up some rosters, seeing what worked, etc. And to be honest... That, for the first half of the season, didn't work as well as expected, so they had to bring in new players, and they had to switch things up in order to find that success that they now have found. So, yes, they have momentum going into champs, but I still wouldn't put them above any of the other home series winners, which brings me to number five. Uh, That would be the New York Subliners. They Mm -hmm. had, if you compare the trajectory of Toronto and New York... Of course you're going to say New York, especially once Mac Meltz hit that roster. They were the ones that were always due. You never thought Toronto was due. Right. You never yeah. said Toronto was due for a victory, but you did say New York was due for a victory because they constantly grinded. They constantly showed up and they constantly had impressive results. So that's why I believe they're number five. Yeah. No, big agree, because I also put them number five in my like little weird mid tier. So my, my big concern with L, uh, NYSL going into champs, and I know that this is not something we're talking about now, is that they have losing records against the big three this regular season. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that kind of also cements their place, right? Is that like in, in any power ranking, I think that's one of the things that you do have to look at in terms of this team is like, you know, regardless of what we've heard about with scrims, regardless of like the te- the obvious like individual talent on this team, like this team is like pretty much placed ab- about where they should be. Do the next two. So we got four and three. All right. Yeah. So, well, subliners are my fifth. So I'll go for fourth. It's the mutineers. Um, I think that I, I like, maybe it's contentious. I still put the huntsman over the mutineers after this past weekend, but I do still think that that Toronto series, uh, you do have to mention it. Unfortunately, I hate bringing up competitive integrity stuff here. Um, uh, but, but Florida, I think we've talked about this previously with Florida's performance, right? Um, they've been one of the more insane teams at online events. Um, they have been really, really strong since like, not only like, I think Pharaoh was the first kind of like injection of life onto this team after the whole Persini thing, but then obviously awakening, joining the team, pushed them to another competitive level at a lot of these events. Um, I don't think you can throw out the fact that they did win so many events, despite the fact that it's online. I know a lot of people want to take that away from them, but I think it has to be included. Um, The reason why they're fourth is because I think their more recent performances, I would still bet on the big three before I would bet on the mutineers in champs. That is a solid point. Considering the entire season, that is the only reason why I have them flipped. Okay. That is the only reason why. The the and here's here's the thing. So this past weekend, they both only got ten points. Florida mm-hmm. and and the Huntsman, right? They both faltered this weekend. They both showed signs of weakness. Uh, Chicago certainly has their reasons. The Mutineers didn't look like that championship team that we had been gassing up in previous weeks, being the best online team, and cementing you're, you're themselves. <laughs> right like you were, you were, I, I was on the mutineers train i was and i and in a way i still am i will say that they are still a favorite if you were to name four favorites i think the top four in both of our lists are ones that people would point to yeah as champs favorites yeah 
for the entire season, remember the Mutineers also did have success on land. They did make it to a final. They did have that battle of the brothers when Prestini was playing in Florida and they shocked the CDL by beating Chicago in Atlanta, mm -hmm. making it to a final. So they did have some land success. People forget about that because their online success, it's almost like a tale of two parts with Florida, with the bringing in of Awakening and Pharaoh, etc. It looks like this team is a completely different entity than they were on land, but they still had some success on land, even if they weren't a top four team, uh, according to people, because Minnesota was in the mix back then. Mm -hmm. But they have had so much success online for the entire season. Beyond that, I have to put them above the Huntsmen for that reason. And the Huntsmen, meanwhile, have not had as much success, even though they did make a final in Week 11. They have won an online tournament. But beyond that, they have had some very disappointing results. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in them going into champs. This is simply a grade on their season as a whole. So that's yeah. why I put Florida, maybe it's even a smidge ahead. It's not a wide margin, Emily. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's by a touch, maybe even by a hair. But Florida gets the edge for me in that third spot. I mean, I think when we're getting into the top four, I think you and I obviously, uh, as people can tell, have the same top four regardless of order. And I think you can, I think the Mutineers are probably the, the one you could argue the least as, as the, the top team. Um, but in terms of, the Huntsman and the Mutineers, I think it really comes down to your internal criteria. So like, right. I, I can't disagree with you. Um, I do think on the whole, uh, the Huntsmen are a better team. I am also betting on them a bit more to show up at champs because I think this is a roster that will show up at champs. Um, and obviously that is not just based that, that is like a little bit nebulous, right? Because it's based on intangibles from watching these players perform in other games, not just Modern Warfare. Um, but I do think that I like this lineup a lot. I, I think they can succeed. I think they can definitely be title contenders. Um, Envoy has been one of my favorite players to watch this entire year, honestly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think they have the intelligence and the skill to win at champs. Of the three teams that I think will be really vying for that title, I think they have the like like I see them winning it the least out of those three, which is obviously the face, the Empire, and the Huntsman, the big three that we've been talking about all year. So we have um, two spots left, Emily. Give us yep. your number two and number one. Okay, so my number two is Dallas. My number one is FaZe. It's actually super close, honestly. Um, I love both of these teams. I really like watching both of them play despite all of the issues, despite all of the online versus LAN banter. Um, these two teams are designed differently but I've really appreciated watching both of them. Um, the Empire, we talked about how I actually think they were handed a bit of the short end of the stick due to the way that points worked for the first week of league play. Um, it took them until what, like the past two events or something to catch up, which is almost an entire season, despite performing really like pretty consistently well throughout. Um, 
I think this is a team, despite the fact that people want to call them onliners, uh, I think this is a team that still won on land um, and still performed well on land. And it is very well designed to have their veterans, uh, especially if they're performing well, make the most of young players like Shotzi, right, who is also an MVP candidate. And then FaZe, as we talked about previously in this event, the reason why they're number one for me, consistently top performers to the point where if they're not winning a final, we're like, what happened to FaZe? Like, they're declining because they set such a high bar for themselves from the get-go in this season. Um, and they've been consistently at the top, regardless of whether it's been land, regardless of whether it's been online. They were the team that looked the most comfortable in this game from week one. Um, specifically, I think because their SMGs are just insane. Yeah. And uh, and this is like, for the most part, outside of some wonkiness towards the end here, it's been an SMG game. And yeah, I mean, I just, I love watching both of these teams. Uh, I'm giving the edge to FaZe for the reasons that I said. Um, but... These are my two favorites for sure. I labored over this. I really did. It's hard. I, you no, know, but all the points you're making make so much sense. And like on any other day, I would have the exact same opinion because it's such a logical, it's so logical. And and I'll be honest, the I, I went Dallas number one, Atlanta number okay. two. The only reason that I could think of that they deserve that spot was because they've they won three and Atlanta won two. That was like the differentiating factor for me. Because if you look at their... Both teams have not placed anywhere less than a semifinal appearance all season in every single tournament. The Atlanta phase... Except, except for, yeah, except for... But that's not a tournament, never mind. Oh, sorry. The, uh, I was going to yeah, be like, except for one, the league play, which we totally tried to League play Dallas sucked. They were <laughs> terrible. They went over. Yes, right. The... the but then at that but then they made a final in london and then they won their next tournament in week 4 right so they 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 quickly rebounded from that the phase have a lot of losses in the final and that and that effect that impacted me for sure i think that when i looked at that i said they have a losing record in finals matches i think okay. they're 2 and 4 in in finals appearances dallas has less finals appearances but they're 3 and 1 so it's four finals appearances versus six. So like if you're in the if you're in the boat to say finals appearances should weigh more and Atlanta should be the best team in the league, I'm not really gonna argue there. Like I I, I think that this is one of those like one day you can make a case for Atlanta, the mm -hmm. next day you can make the case for Dallas. I guess in terms of winning percentage in the final that's where my differentiator was because you can you can pick apart the teams right you can pick apart like simps records and the tiny terrors and the youth and the 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 fascinating team that atlanta has versus the experience of clayster and crim six and the rookies that they've been able to mold on that team like there's so many different arguments you could take for both teams and really many people would consider them 1a and 1b but at the end of the day, for me, the three chips was really the differentiator there, that they were able to get one more in less finals appearances than Atlanta. So that's why I put Dallas first here. I don't disagree with anything you said. Like, it's, honestly, it's, it's like if you, if you take, yeah, if you take away that first week, right, those 20 points, these teams are completely tied. They are. They are. And, 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 and maybe I should have put more weight on that first week where they absolutely sucked. I don't think he should. <laughs>
<laughs> they've, si- like, they've long since recovered. Let's be real. Yeah, they've recovered. I long feel like since. people people still bring that up though, right? They're like, well, they sucked at the beginning of the season. And it's like, oh, they like they did really well in their second tournament, actually. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, what <do> you do? <laughs> So the, uh, before we go really, really quickly here, uh, there's been a lot of talk and rumors about the next edition of COD. Please, uh, Treyarch, save us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you seen the Doritos bag, people? Have you seen what was on the Doritos bag? If you haven't, here it is. Do you see the logo <laughs> on that Doritos bag, people? Do you see clearly labeled there, Black Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War? Do you see it? Let's go. The spoiler on a Doritos bag. How else would you like to be spoiled? For the upcoming COD that has yet to be announced. I except on a Doritos, Doritos bag. Right now. Yeah. What's your favorite flavor, Emily, of Doritos? Just the, the original nacho cheese, honestly. Yeah. It's a classic. It is. Like, when I think of Doritos, I think of that. What's your opinion on Cool Ranch? It's okay. I don't hate it. So I don't love it as much as nacho cheese. My, my, my uh, hypothesis is that Cool Ranch is the most polarizing chip flavor of all time. People, People really yeah. feel strongly about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel strongly about it either way. You either love it or you hate it. We don't know what flavor of chip uh, this spoiler w- appeared on. <laughs> we can only assume that it was all of them. But We uh, did try to go to the website, and it did, does yes. not exist. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is a win for snack foods. So junk food, you win today because you... Uh, revealed that the next call of duty will probably be black ops cold war on this this is the greatest photoshop of all time which is probably not so there you go now you know uh we look forward to an announcement we also look forward to next week's show uh we'll bring you and by the way uh go subscribe to our youtube channel slash espn esports emily's gonna have a whole bunch of interviews i believe some mvp candidates might be on the way every single mvp candidate so that's awesome so we're gonna have a chance to speak with all all of their life stories no not really there you go (laughs) <laughs> and, and their placement in the league. There's going to be a lot yeah. of great content. And also an interview with Methods of the Toronto Ultra is already there. But that's it for us. That's our time on the uh, Call of Duty League show here on ESPN Esports Search and Destroy every single Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, no matter where you are watching us or listening to us. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time.